from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is The Good Atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Krista Hendricks. And uh, today we're going to have a mailbag episode. So in, in order to make up for the lack of consistency, we have uh, acquiesced to the fans and said, we will listen and read and do everything that we can to keep you entertained. <laughs> and so we'll read your letters, your, your questions, though, I hope. Mostly questions, because I see a lot of these that don't have question marks. I want to reiterate something for everybody here, just just to remember something. Questions. <laughs> Mailbags are about questions. I love how some of these are, are like, my question is this statement. Yeah, exactly. The end. <laughs> I, this is what I love about atheists. We all have something to say. Oh, we got something to say. We're that group of annoying fucking people that always have something to say, aren't we? Hmm? Yeah, that's right. Speak for yourself. Well, I am speaking for myself. I speak about myself all the time. I'm your typical atheist. (laughs) Every atheist has a podcast. Don't you know? Don't you listen to the 3,000 other podcasts that are out there? Speaking of podcasts, the atheist experience is crushing us. I'm ready to declare defeat. The impossibility of the dream to be first, to win any sort of award. I don't even think I'm second no more. I think that Reasonable Doubt has officially beaten me uh, by a, a narrow margin, or I don't even know narrow margin. It's probably not even narrow anymore. I don't know. But I have officially declared that I've, I have failed as a commander. I have not been able to rally the troops. I have better numbers than the people that voted for me. I am now third. Third, third behind reasonable doubt. So I have only been able to, as of this moment, to, 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 to wrangle 400 of you and that was it. I would have needed to do about twice that to even be in the running. So That's I could so not. Sad. I could not. Sh- I, I, these these cats were not herded. <laughs> Their power unheeded. Or perhaps they felt that it deserved it. Maybe that's punishment. I mean, you'll vote like 30 times. No, you, you can't. I know you think you can, but you can't. You can't? Are you no. sure? And please don't cheat. <laughs> even if you could, don't do it. No. No, I don't want to win by cheating. That'd be awful. Imagine if that came out. I would look like a low-life scumbag. Hey, that guy who told everyone to cheat so that he could win Hey, you didn't tell everyone to cheat. I told everyone to cheat. (laughs) You can be my evil conscience. Mm, That's what you are. That's what you are. Mm. So today, Chris is here to help me with the mailbag. Um, And I was going to start, actually, the show by talking about a a letter that I received from a fan because I had promised that I was going to read this letter on this show because he, he, he sent me an interesting letter and I decided at first that I was going to read it because it seemed so, you know, it, it, it seemed cool. Like, I'm like, I'm going to talk about this for the show. This is going to be a topic of discussion. But then I felt that the letter was too sycophantic, you know, just almost too nice. Like, it, it would embarrass me to read it because there's so many nice things that are said. And I'm like, I don't want to read my own positive press because that's bullshit. I would hate a podcast that did that. I'd be like, listen to these praises. So to the person whose letter I was going to read today, please re- please write a less uh, sycophantic one, <laughs> a much, probably even a little bit more critical, if you will, and then I'll read it. 
something a little bit more, you know, with some a jab here or there. I'll feel less embarrassed. I don't want to say this stuff on the on the on the podcast. It'll make me sound like a douchebag. <laughs> so no nice things. Is that, is that what I'm saying? Don't send nice letters. Don't send them. They're confusing, and I don't want to read them out loud. I always omit the other part. You know, the bottom part would be like, I love the podcast. No, I can't say that because then it would just be lame. You can't say that with every photo. Uh, I mean, with with every mail that you get. That's douchey, right? I think that's douchey. It's a little douchey. It's a little bit douchey. I think you'd get away with it if you weren't so douchey in the rest of the show. Yeah, you're right. You know, that the problem is me. Mm-hmm. The problem is that I take too much. <laughs> and then, But I still know when there's that limit. Be like, oh, no, can't claim credit for that one. Eh, that's too much. Now I'm going to really look like I'm that egotistical. So I, I ride that fine line. All right, speaking of people sending me things that hopefully aren't sycophantic, and, and luckily I'm, I know for sure many are not. So that's good. So I'll get my jabs. Um, let's start with Max, who says, Jacob, how does some, someone continue to argue with a religious person after they admit the Bible is to be interpreted as a simplified version of infinite knowledge so we can understand it? Uh, so what you're saying here is, Jacob, how do you convince someone who believes that the Bible is supposed to be loosely interpreted based on the things you already believe in? <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say to someone like that other than... I don't know how to break through to your reasoning. Your reasoning, I guess, is flawless. You've decided not to listen. You've decided to 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 see the universe exactly the way you want to see it. Uh, congratulations. You have a closed mind. <laughs> see, at that point, I usually throw the book at them, and I mean literally, like, just huck a Bible across them and then... Get out of here! <laughs> I'm going to knock you out. Okay, so... Uh, Maybe maybe there is another way that you, you could try, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never found that there's anything that you can say in a conversation that's going to convince someone to sort of open up. There's only one the, – the, the one time I realized I was really closed-minded, I remember this like it was yesterday. It was during a conversation with a friend's girlfriend. And trust me, if you know who I was, you know that I'm never – nice to my friend's girlfriends. I am just such a hard friend to be sometimes. Uh, and she was a, she was accusing me of being closed-minded. And I don't like that accusation, but I've always felt that if the, the, the accusation that you feel the that is the harshest is usually the one that has some bit of truth to it. So right when she said that, I guess in mid-argument where I was trying to tell her that I wasn't closed-minded, I suddenly realized that I kind of was, in a way, closed-minded. So I, I said, quite innocently enough, thinking that I've reached some new revelation about myself, and I'm like, oh my God, I am closed-minded. And only once I start to really realize that can I start to have an open mind, to which, of course, she assumes that I'm talking about her, gets offended. <laughs> and, of course, closed-minded to the idea that it wasn't about her. <laughs> And how are you supposed to communicate that little bit of information, huh? Well, the conversation about closed-mindedness was about me, but you're too closed-minded to see that. Huh? No, now you're in like one of those weird loopy-dee-loop universes where you're just like, too many regressions. The word closed-minded has been used too many times, and there's there's way too much confusion and hurt feelings. So, yeah, cl- accusing someone of closed-mindedness uh, can come with some uh, some trouble. But... Unfortunately, that's what they are. That's that's what they are. Okay, next one is Tim. He said, good day. I'm going to assume that Tim here is Australian. I've been listening to your backlog of shows. For the, for the most part, it's been quite good stuff. Well, thank you for the most part. <laughs> I think we all know that once in a while, yes, I do produce nothing but crap. That's not uh, Aussie. That's Scottish. But <laughs> The wandering European accent. <laughs> 
He says, just thought I'd uh, point out an ontological argument style uh, false equality from one of your shows. Just because male peacocks' plumages and sex sexual behavior seems to be directly related to strong female choice, sexual selection does not mean it is the same for humans. Um, after all, which sex tends to put on uh, more time into their appearance? Makeup and dresses plus the mostly female-dominated dance floor. Uh, okay, this is dance floor mating rituals. Could be seen as parallels to the male peacock plumage and mate dancing. In reality, sexual selection is largely monogamous apes, uh, as with other monogamous species, is a both-party choice direction. Have a good one. So he's, uh, he's getting real... He's getting, he's taking personal. He's like, Jagger, man, you said that sexual selection, the ladies have a lot more choice. Well, from interviewing Gary Chick, the, uh, the guy. The, the master of play. Yeah, the, the guy who's doing all this uh, anthropological research into play and the way it relates to animals. I mean, I think he would argue that, you know, sexual selection is very much dominated by a female choice. So, yes, you're right. Just because, you know, it happens in peacocks doesn't necessarily mean it happens in humans. But for many other reasons... We can prove that it happens in humans. So maybe that particular statement was incorrect, but the overall it's, comment is not yeah. incorrect. It, I would say I would say you nitpicking, Timmy boy. And even then, even if it's not as strong as I maybe suggested in some of the earlier shows, which I don't remember, by the way, <laughs> I don't remember saying any of this. But if I did say it, I would probably put a, an, an amendment there to say that um, at the very least we can agree that uh, evolution itself, the way that it works. Is just it's 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 a process that is it's not always really clearly directed. Like I I th I, th I remember reading somewhere that if you could say that there was an evolutionary change that was happening in humans, it was we seem to be getting taller and we seem to be getting fatter and we seem to be getting nicer and we seem to be getting more, nicer. more docile yeah. at least more docile. So we're becoming big. <laughs> Berry, like cuddly bears is what we're <laughs> going to basically end up being. That's my scientific analysis, folks. We're going to evolve into big cuddly bears. So, uh, yeah, if you don't agree, you can email me on that one, and I probably won't remember <laughs> that I said it. Okay. You know what I was thinking when you said that? Your gay fan base is going to be so happy. Oh, dear God, <laughs> I did not think about that. Wow, that's going to open up a whole new can of questions. Uh, <laughs> next up, Daniel says, hey, Jake, hope you had a fun birthday. Mailbag question: What do you guys think about? Uh, what do you think people can do about this Westboro Baptist Phelps family? Given the recent court decision, um, how does a rational person deal with blind religion, religious insanity? If you're wondering about the court decision, he's, he's talking about the Supreme Court that upheld the right mm -hmm. for the Phelps family to picket the funerals of soldiers and so on and so forth. So lots of strong emotions running on about that. I wrote an article that just said this is the price of freedom. And it's not fun, but at the same time, it's just because it, if it offends your sensibilities doesn't mean that we should legislate it away. It's not like, oh, well, we need, we need to make sure that no human being can be offended by this. Free speech is offensive. What I say is fucking offensive, right? Do you want to make laws to silence me just because I offend some? I also don't understand why we have to go running to daddy daddy government every time we need something fixed. It's like, you need to make it not okay for this to happen. How about society needs to make it not okay for this to happen? You have legs. You have a voice. They have free speech as much as you do. How about you stand on the other side of the fence and scream at them that they're loser whores and then just hope they go away? You know, I mean... It, they can scream, you can scream louder. And you know what? There's more people who think they're ridiculous than people who don't. I think they're... I think they're 
in a sense, um, you'll always find that family, that group, that person who's just going to take it so far, so to the extreme, that it's going to test your resolve. You're going to be like, I don't know if we can handle this free speech thing. We seem to be at times monstrous and awful. And you remember that it's a good thing that the majority of people don't decide the rights of others. That's not really how it works. I know that's what you think a democracy is. That is what we call a tyranny. <laughs> uh, there can be de democratic tyrannies, uh, and that is what we tend to gravitate towards. We have to be very careful about this concept we have of democracy. We think that just because people choose that they're that everyone has an equal voice or an equal say in what's being decided and that's just that's the fantasy that is the fucking fantasy so the last thing that we need is people messing around with that shit making sure that we can't at least have an open discussion about it at least have the freedom to say our particular opinions about what what it is that other people are doing even if it offends them especially sometimes if it offends them, especially, you know, free speech is offensive. These people are very offensive. They offend me. But at the same time, I have so much pity for these idiots. Like, they are truly pitiful creatures. When they disconnect from their family members, when they reject them because, oh, uh, she doesn't believe that only our family will go into heaven. Yeah, she has common sense. Enough common sense to say this is some bullshit here. Oh, no, let's punish her. Let's make sure we never talk to her. That sounds like you've got a really great home life. Good luck with that, buddy. Uh, you, you, you're going to have a really swell life and not even have time to realize it by the time the neurochemicals in your brain terminate. You won't even have the time to realize that uh, it was all so brief and you missed it. You missed a lot of it because of your stupid fucking ideas. All right, let's move on. Scott Harrison asks... What, in your opinion, on the census campaign starting up currently in the UK and Australia? Good, good for getting no. Uh, what, what is what is your opinion? I don't know what the census campaign is. I don't know what he means. I think he's talking about the census where people are uh, putting um, non-religious as um, as part of their, uh, their the description. You know, when you go around and say like, okay, we want to find out how tall, fat. Uh, lonely you are, so we're going <laughs> to ask you this survey <laughs> and answer as honestly as possible, please. And lots of people, they uh, they just put their you know their their family religion. I'm I'm Protestant. I'm Catholic. Or blah blah. Even Ryan call himself like Protestant for like the longest time. Yeah, I mean maybe after year two of doing the show, <laughs> I managed to get him to stop doing it. I'm sure that's what he would have put on his senses. It's like a weird habit that people have. But those census, that census, it has an impact on the way that these, these religions are construed in society where people think, oh, wow, there's 74% of people are religious because that's what it said on the census. I don't think those are the numbers, dog. I think that once they realize when everybody was really honest about what they believe, those numbers will be severely reduced. Why do you think they always have that whole, oh, atheists are the largest growing minority? No, we're not growing. It's not like other people just popping up saying, hey, I just figured out that this is bullshit. No, it's other people saying, finally, ah, it's okay to say that it's bullshit. And other people around me can hear, we've always been there. We just were too fucking scared to say shit. So I think that those, that census is important, you know, to, to really definitely write non-religious, please. Do that one thing. If you're one of those fucking armchair, uh, you know, sitting on the fence, style agnostic atheists, at least 
write the census properly. You know, don't don't bullshit around here. Is anybody looking over your shoulder, making sure you're not writing that too? <laughs> Is that what we've come to? Come on, be an adult. Write what you actually believe in the fucking census. Okay, next one, Brennan Jacob. A grasp, meaning humanity has. A meager, okay, I wish everybody would use more commas. <laughs> Meaning humanity has a meager grasp on the concept of infinity at best. Okay, that's nice. What is your question, sir? Okay. Uh, yes, he has something about a bird flying to Asia. Again, not a question. Uh, my question is simple. Okay, finally. Here's, here's paragraph three. My question is simple. In your opinion, is an average theist interpretation of infinity diluted by its portrayal within Holy Scripture? Hmm. This is a very... Maybe we should go back and read the rest. No, no, it, it doesn't make sense. Actually, to read <laughs> I don't rest. think that's applicable. That's like saying, do you think that we taste tomato sauce differently? No. What? That doesn't... Those things do not connect. That is very, very obscure question, sir. I'm like, do what do I feel about their Dungeons and Dragons reality? I don't know. I guess that's all right. How I prefer this? the Marvel Universe, I guess. Okay, how about this? How about this? Let's take a Catholic, and then let's take somebody who watched the, the series, the BBC series, Wonders of the Solar System, and see who's got a better grasp on the realistic idea of infinity. I think it's going to be the person who watched Wonders of the Solar System and was like, holy shit, there's so much space in space. Yeah, yeah. When you see that old picture of what people used to think the universe was like, well, the Earth is inside a sphere, and then there are nine other spheres atop that, and that's how big the universe is. Yeah, that's it. So a not even barely, barely an orbit, barely suborbital distance. This is the universe. Holy shit, no. <laughs> so, sir, if we didn't properly answer your question, can you please actually form it into a question next sir, time? Sir, <laughs> jeez, you're, you're really awfully polite. Brennan is a long-term listener, so we don't want to piss him too hard. He is, he's a what, loyal well fan. Well, then, should we try and dissect this? No, no, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say that it, essentially I answered it when I said that, uh, yes, they have, of course they do. Of course they have a very limited understanding of infinity. If they didn't, they would realize that the whole idea of heaven is terrifyingly awful. <laughs> like, you will want to die of boredom. It is inevitable. That's what's going to happen. Why would you want that? How is that? Like, can you go over to God and be like, can I just look at your face and be obliterated? Just, <laughs> just take me to Shalom or something. I just want to get the fuck out of Dodge. I'm so bored. Well, that's heaven for you. That's is, this is their infinity. And you know what? When you read the, the, the description of heaven, say the Quran's got the most descriptive heaven, and it's the most boring fucking place. Here are the rivers of honey and wine. Yay. I kind of like honey, I guess. Not a big fan of wine. What am I going to do in the wine fucking lakes? You know, I'm just going to think that it stinks. I just think, think that it stinks. And then a whole bunch of fucking virgins. Yeah, that that sounds good until you realize they're virgins. They don't know what they're doing. Like, what the hell? How long are they virgins for? I'm just going to say virgin. Yeah, I don't want to be that one who deflowers them. And plus, you're just kind of like, so how was your life on earth before you died, before you had sex? How was that? Well, I guess I'm going to introduce you to my penis now, all 77 of you. Get ready. Uh, and apparently in... In, in this place, you have no choice either. <laughs> Are you soulless animals or beasts or something? Were you recreations? Are you made of glass? Are you liking the movie Mannequin? I don't know the answers to this, these questions because they're ludicrous. The fantasy. It just made me feel really uncomfortable. The whole description, I was like, oh, God. What? Oh, jeez. Well, I was trying to be descriptive. It's, I'm uncomfortable. You made <laughs> me uncomfortable. Good. 
You should be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. All right, next question is uh, from Richard. He says, do you think that there are any truths to be found in digging into your own subconscious with the use of drugs like DMT or LSD? Uh, in other words, does the crazy stuff that our brain goes through when it's bathed in all kinds of crazy chemicals, in your opinion, have any deeper significance than just a monkey uh, brain freaking out? Um, no, I don't, I don't think there's anything really there beyond sort of your little dream machine uh, freaking the fuck out. I think we're a little bit too, you know, here's my honest opinion. I think we're a little bit too cocky about this whole dream machine being like, look at us. Wow, we're so amazing. We have consciousness. Ooh, what a mysterious concept this must be. How can we be aware of ourselves? This is amazing. And I'm just like, hold, hold on a minute, all right? Like, for just five seconds, can we get off our fucking high horse and assume that we're not the only ones with theory of self and theory of others, you know? We know of other species that have this. To some degree, you could even say a fly has an awareness of self. It moves around, it tries to protect itself, it tries to replicate itself. It has a kind of sense of self. I just want to say that maybe we need to get rid of this duality that we have about the, 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 the human body where we make the distinction of saying the human mind as though this is a sort of like different part of it. This is, this is the dualistic nature of, of, of being human. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a part of your body. It's, it's a really vital part if you want to be able to be conscious and walking around. But even when it doesn't work, you can just pump food and shit like that. And that, that thing will still work. It'll still work. The the weird biomechanical suit that your brain houses, it's still going to do stuff. Well, and here's the situation. If you want change, then you need to somehow break out of the pattern, monotonous pattern of your life. That's that's what's going on. So I can see how sometimes people have these narratives where they're like, oh, I tripped out, and then I had this revelation, and now my life's totally different, and I'm better connected with the universe of one or whatever. Whatever. Whatever language you're using to describe the, to make the thing that happened to you more significant. Now, the reality is, yes, it's true that in order to come to a, a new understanding about your life or to feel like you've become awakened or something like that, you do need to step out of the pattern, that, that kind of ritualistic everyday blah, blah, blah. You don't need LSD to do that. You could go to the beach and stare at the ocean and do that. You, as anything that isn't like, you know, step one, wake up, step two, put my shoes on. Anything that is just outside of that pattern will help you better get a better perspective on your life and go through that change if that's what you're looking for. But it's not a good idea to just do drugs and be like, oh, that's what happened. No, what happened was that you had an opportunity to to have like a little a little moment where you felt special and you were desperate for that. And so you're like, oh, that was it. That was it right there. That that vision I had of a dragon eating my foot. That means that everything's different now. A rebirth, something. I don't know. Maybe part of the reason why we have placed such importance in the freak out. And maybe this is a cheap way for you to freak out yourself without the use of drugs. Here's my suggestion. Change everything around you. And what I mean by that is there's a very commonly understood phenomenon that you, for the most part, when you look in the room, let's say you walk into your bedroom, and uh, you look, you know, everything that you have around you, you have memorized in a sense. You see everything around you in a kind of buffer, in a kind of mental place uh, placement system that you have. So you barely perceive the environment around you in a very active way. You do it inactively. You could say that's part of your subconscious. Now, if you really want to activate that part of your brain, if you want to wake up, if you want to really freak it out, just get into a whole new environment. Make your brain have to absorb all kinds of new information. And maybe what you'll find out is, is... 
is, is some truths about yourself when you're in a different environment. Because, again, you were barely aware. You were barely conscious. I would say even b beyond just us uh, in our visual field, not noticing things unless they're gone or changed, I would say why wouldn't we think it's the same thing in our own lives, right? How, how, how monotonous is the lives of most people where they establish a routine, they find it difficult to make changes, and why would that be? Because they've, they're creatures of ritual, and these rituals happen sort of mechanistically. They, to some degree, your rituals control you, control who you are. My suggestion is that you can do it without the drugs <laughs> that will sometimes make you go fruity loopy. I think that change is still possible. It just requires you to get out of that whole mode where you're barely, where you barely are thinking. You're just coasting by. And you don't even realize that you do. And, and for the most part, people who are coasting by, you know what they, and that have serious problems, you know what they feel like? A kind of depression. <laughs> they want to get out of the situation. They, quite, they don't quite understand how to do it because the problem may be systemic. Hey, I got an idea for you. Change your environment. Do something drastic. It will force your brain to fucking have a realization uh, without you actually having to do it for eight hours at one time while the walls are melting. All right, next question. <laughs> Brandon asks, Dawkins said in the video you posted on February 7th that if you compare any two pairs of animal genes to one another using modern DNA techniques and plot out the resemblances, they form a perfect hierarchy, a perfect family tree. Who has done this, and where can I see the results? Can you explain this in more detail or point me to more information on this? I'm like, well, you already seem like you have a pretty good handle on the search criteria. I don't know if I'll do the work for you. Um, when it comes to, you know, here's, here's the thing. I think probably because Brandon is the believer on the site, right? He does, I don't think he believes in evolution. Uh, or if he does, it's probably a very God-did-it version of evolution. And, and that doesn't surprise me. So what it, in a sense, what he's asking is, is, is probably like, where is this information? Where does it exist? How can you prove that it forms like a perfect family tree? Can you explain it in a way that is convincing is what I'm being asked, which is quite quite the task, considering the fact that uh, I am not a biology professor. <laughs> but really? I, yeah, I swear to you wow. I'm not a biology professor. That's I have, surprising. I know, right? Oh. I know. I know. I thought that, you know... That you did. I you thought did. you did. Wow. I thought that when yeah. I wasn't looking, you were off teaching biology classes. I, to to no. the locals. My hobby is not doing that. My hobby is going to the bushes and masturbating. That's my oh, hobby. that's what's been happening. <laughs> Makes much more sense right. when you come back with that stupid smile. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do something a little bit simpler because uh, I still suggest if you want to find out about how how this hierarchy, how do we understand that life forms a, a web, uh, like a, a, a tree, rather than... Uh, any other structure? Why do we Why do we think that life is just so connected? I think the interesting, uh, the the best story is uh, that I can use is kind of when we first started discovering DNA and we didn't really know what it did. And at first we were really convinced that it would have dramatic effects when we use the DNA of say one animal and put it into a completely different animal because we were just like, you're gonna fucking do that and they're just gonna have like a lizard uh, claw coming out of there and you're like, we're gonna make super animals, you know what I'm talking about? This is gonna be fucking awesome. Well, they put, uh, they spliced in a lot of DNA, let it do its thing and nothing fucking happened. It used the DNA coding like as if it was just, was no thing. 
And and that was the most surprising thing for biologists, I think, at first. It was it, it was that profound realization that the thing that Darwin had just guessed, and it was really a guess by then, uh, a very brilliant guess, but he had sort of assumed that it would all sort of like tie back to this one uh, essential organism. And and really, every time we look at DNA, that's what we see. We see those patterns. We see the same patterns everywhere else. We see the same kinds of genes in lots of different uh, animals and plant species. You have half the genes of a banana in you, <laughs> all right? You just got to, I know, it blows your mind, right, that you have all of this stuff that's inside of you, these genes that make up egg yolk or make a monkey skin that sheds itself when your mother's pregnant. All of these crazy things are merely the result of just evolution and its processes. And I think that once you kind of appreciate how beautifully simple and complicated and complex that is, then all of a sudden you can be like, doesn't it make sense, sir? What is, now what is your argument? What is your counter to that? Monkey skin that sheds itself when your mother is pregnant? Well, you have a coat of a monkey hair that you have, like a serious coat, and you shed it. In utero? Yeah. Yeah. It's so gross. I know it's pretty gross, eh? Yeah. I have to imagine it kind of like it breaks down, breaks up, and still makes up remnant parts of the uh, amniotic. Oh. Anyways, it's pretty gross. But some babies are actually born with it, and then they they they, they sort of like lose the hair and stuff like that. So, it's very strange. We have kind of a strange processes when we're in the in the womb. Um, very gross indeed. We are kind of gross animals. And you don't even want to know some of the horrible things that can happen, you know, when, like, babies are all, don't, like, no. crazy. No, more yeah, of this. You don't, you don't Move on now, please. Thank you. <laughs> so all I was going to say is the information is uh, is available. It's easy uh, to find uh, if you just look online. There's a lot of science uh, blogs that are out there, biology teachers. Ask them. They will point you in the, the right direction. Feringula is probably the easiest person that I could suggest. He'd probably be more than happy to tell you where you can find that out. And I think it's an important thing to find out. If you if you know this because you've heard it from somewhere else, like you haven't actually checked it out yourself, I suggest you do. You know, read a few books about that. It doesn't have to be um, you know, a textbook here. Just there's quite a few great books out there. There's uh, Ancestor's Tale, there's A Wonderful Life by Stephen Jay Gould. Um, I really quite enjoyed um, long, a short history of nearly everything with Bill Bryson. That's a really Really good. Really good book. There's plenty of good books out there. They explain the same thing. Okay, let's move on. Chocobar asks, um, Brandon seems open to discussion and debate. Would you consider having him on your show? He's the Christian dude, so he wants to ask, would you I have a call-in show? I think you should have him on the show. I think you should. I think it would be interesting. The only problem is I'm worried that he would no longer be a fan because you're mean. You're a mean, horrible human being. I'm not mean in person. I mean in... On the show. On the show. Yeah. Right. Well, you're a little mean in I'm person. I'm a little mean in person. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'll think about it. Well, definitely not while we're down here because uh, the Internet is so bad, so bad, that it's uh, it's made it difficult. It, it, for for you Carissa fans, you must be happy about that because that's why she's being... Yeah, the three of them. That's why she's being tortured Thanks, having guys. to do the shows. Thanks, guys. I'm not, you know what? <laughs> I like doing the show. Yeah. Just mailbag shows are so frustrating for me because it's like, hey, Jacob, what's your opinion about this? And then I'm just like, oh, that's great. Like, honestly, my job is to sit here and be like, I approve of what has been said. Oh, Let's move yeah. on. If there was one Carissa question, would that have made it all right? But just it, one? 
Maybe. Uh, okay. Well, you know for next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't get a hold of Ryan, ask her one question or else she'll never do the show. I she'll never do the show again. That's a mailbag. Uh, All right. <laughs> Drew Davey asked, what the fuck <laughs> happened to Ryan? Where did he go? <laughs> I heard about this site from Fightlinker. I miss him in a totally gay way. Um, Ryan is alive and well. Uh, he was just finishing up working on the uh, server switch. Now, if you've ever done a server switch, particularly when you have two big sites like we do, it is a nightmare, and Ryan's never liked that process. So I think that basically um, the process was uh, slightly more frustrating than he had uh, envisaged. And you, you can't always write when you're mad, folks. Like, that's the thing about writing when you do blog is, like, once in a while, if, you're, if your heart's not in it because you're mad at something else, it's tough. That's that's the problem with being an entrepreneur slash blogger is that the content suffers when you're trying to do all the things that you don't enjoy doing. So I I want to make sure that I'm never like that, but uh, there's no guarantee. There are many times that those things are <laughs> fear. I I'm working on fixing these solutions. I'm working on fixing these solutions. I'm looking. Um, I'm actively looking, and I'll, I'll make this announcement because by now, if you're still listening, you're a big enough fan that I can make the announcement to you and you won't waste my time, is the fact that I'm looking for people to, uh, serious people that are interested in marketing this site for uh, a, a chunk of it. I'm willing to offer a share of this thing to really push it to the next level, but I am going to be the most difficult motherfucker on this planet <laughs> when it comes to my choice because I don't want anybody that's not going to love what it is that I make. I think that you should always work with those people if you have those options, you know? Like, you could you could find a person who's the best marketing guy in the world, but if he doesn't give a shit about your product, then I, I would feel to some degree like you can't trust that person. Can you can you trust them to do, to, to, to give it just, to do it justice if they needed to? I think especially right now where the online world is sort of shifting to reputation-based economies, it's, you know, you don't, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I have a strong brand and people like me because I do what I love and I sell, you know, I'm honest and I'm genuine. And then you have somebody come in and shmarm up your sales. It's like, oh, I just lost all that stuff I built up for years. Great. And it's funny, too, because we're only beginning to understand now what that means, what reputation means. It, 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 Dig learned a very valuable lesson. Dig learned that... Your reputation is worth more than cashing out, and uh, unfortunately, they learned that lesson a little bit too late. I don't want to. I don't want to forget that lesson. I don't want any kind of schmarminess. I don't want any sort of like bad, like fuck a pitch. I want everything to remain genuine. So I definitely want to work with a person who um, enjoys the show and has the talents. Now, obviously, I may have to find this person myself and then introduce them to the product. You know, as part of like, do you like this shit? But uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking for more people. If I want the site to grow, it has to grow beyond me. It has to. I need help. So I'm going to look for it. So that's Ryan is uh, Ryan is alive, is what I'm going to say. Okay, more relevant to this site, Sam Harris said that we shouldn't call ourselves atheists. What's your take on that? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Sam Harris had a video recently where he was saying that we should have try and avoid the title atheist because what happens is that it creates a label for us and religious people try to use that label to defame non-belief when we should really be more focused on trying to expose their bad thinking. So he thinks that eliminating a word will change the shift in everybody's, everybody's like basically primary goal? 
Well, this is the confusing thing, because number one, my comment was a bit snippy as saying, well, if we don't call it atheism, then can you still charge $10,000 for a speaker's fee? Oh! oh blam! Bam! Uh, he was honest enough to say that he didn't know what the answer to his... Uh, to, to, his, to his statement or to a practical solution to his to his quandary maybe I, I don't even find that it's a quandary I'm saying that you know that that to the point where yeah maybe for some people they're like I don't want to associate myself as an atheist I'm just a non-believer it's not a thing and you're like you know what in this world it is man stop fucking being all like no uh, I'm the one who thinks that I'm right and it doesn't and uh, other people who call me this are wrong because I don't I'm like it doesn't matter if they're Wrong. This is the. This is just language. This is how you're being described. Well, this is how they're going to talk about you. Okay. Well, uh, not only that, but it's like okay. So maybe if, if, if let's take this back thirty years. Well, if we don't call them homosexual, if we don't call ourselves homosexual, then nobody will get mad at us. What? It's ridiculous. It's the same shit, guys. You have to name. This is what how language is. You use language to label things to communicate better with fellow human beings. If we're like, let's just not use the word so we can improperly communicate with other human beings. I'm sorry. That makes no freaking sense. That's not going to help anybody. That's just a big ploy to be a little bit more dishonest about everything. Well, he was saying that he didn't because this is the weird thing too. Because he said he didn't want to alienate. Um, other people that are probably more sensible. But this is also the same man who said that the moderates are responsible for the problems of religion. I'm like, Sam, man, have you changed your tune? I don't understand here. You're saying two incompatible things. Look, if you were saying that the moderates are the problem, the people that have these beliefs anyways, you're advocating non-belief. It's essentially what you're saying. Now, if you're advocating non-belief and you're saying, I don't want anybody to identify themselves as atheists, I'm like, what do you want them to do, man? We are still a species that okay. identifies with things. It's I'm, like, why are we denying this? I'm going to be super controversial right now. And I'm just gonna say, I, love, I love Sam Harris. I do. I love him. But basically where he is right now with his work, I kind of like well, saw the buzz that was happening. And this looked like a deliberate attempt to get a little bit more traffic his way. I mean, it's. He basically said, I have an idea with no solution. Huh? I have a half-baked idea that was going to make people a little bit upset. That makes no freaking sense. That I'm total, that can easily be revoked. You know, this, this feels like him just trying to be like, oh, uh, nobody's paying attention to me. Uh, I don't think we should call ourselves atheists. Oh, there, now people are paying attention to him. But he said it before anyways. And the problem, again, is like what you said, right? He just talks about, oh, I don't think we should... Uh, call ourselves that. You know, it's really easy to point out all the flaws, all the disadvantages of calling ourselves atheists. There are disadvantages, but it's not fair to just present it as such. There's going to be no solution that's going to be perfect. That doesn't exist, folks, and we just have to sort of like deal with what we have. What is what is happening organically? What is everybody sort of like realizing? Okay, well, this atheist label seems to have a, a, a fairly well-defined uh, stance on this whole God issue. And you, f trust me when I say that for most people that are out there, having to have a powerful stance is part of their goddamn motivation. All right, They need this. How many times did I hear people uh, or, or, or get messages from people saying, I need your show because I need to have fodder. I need to have cannon fire to defend myself. Because it's like a fucking ideological street fight out there, man, sometimes. It's like with, especially when you're outnumbered 
by religious fucking people that are trying to jam Jesus down your throat. And you're trying to have a logical conversation. You fucking are. You're just saying, here are my fucking points. They're extremely logical. What is your argument to that? And all of a sudden they're like, this is no argument. This is my belief. And you can't make fun of my belief. And you should believe the same thing too. And you're going to go to hell. And you're like, oh my God. Well, Leave me alone. Let's bring this down to a practical level. Okay, Sam Harris. We're done. Well, we're not going to call ourselves atheists anymore. So at a, at, a, at a dinner conversation, when somebody tries to shove God down your throat, what exactly are you supposed to say? I'm whatever. I'm the word formerly known as atheism. Like, seriously, I what, said, I what's the next this step? This is Prince. This is Prince. It's, re it's absolutely ridiculous. Rebranding. Is this rebranding or is this like, let's just eliminate the word. Let's just all be people. Let's Whoa. live in a garden where we can all hold hands and sing merry songs. And I just, I, I feel like it's... Uh, I love you. I love you, Sam. Yeah. But this was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And it it waste of time. It, I, I respect you a little less right now. <laughs> him and his hippie ideas. Sometimes no, him and, him and his half-baked... You know what? His, his, he is one of the forerunners, right? He's one of the major four. Yeah. Please try and keep the crazy ideas inside of you until you actually figure them out before spewing them all over the world, okay? You're making the rest of us look bad. Have a conclusion. Yeah, no, have something. Have a full freaking thought. That's all I'm asking. That seems pretty fair. I think it's fair. Okay, let's move on. WCL Peter asks, Why is it when someone asks you a question, even if you had just had... Uh, one in your head five minutes ago, you immediately immediately realize that you have no question. But I don't know. Yet two weeks from now, when s <laughs> what? I think he's basically saying like you asked this for question. questions, and and uh -huh. uh, he's basically saying why is it that whenever somebody asks me for a question, even if I had a question in my head, now I can think of the question. Okay, so why can't I answer the question right when the question is being asked? I think that you might want to consult the doctor about that one, buddy, because we don't all have that same problem. Well, not only that, but you know what? The email's up there on uh -huh. the site. Just if you have a question next time, write it down, push send. Jacob will put it in a little folder on his little computer, and then he'll have it for later. I don't know if I'll have a folder though. Shh, what? Folder. <laughs> I'm trying to reassure people. I will why have a folder. Why do you have to step on all my good ideas? I don't know. I'm evil. I'm an evil man. Okay, let's move on. You're an evil non-atheist, atheist, whatever word we're supposed bright. You're a bright. Is that the word we're supposed to use now? No, I'm never using that word. <laughs> uh, there was a, there was an auxiliary question. He says, "Do you have any tips on how we can foster communication as a group that would allow us to build communities?" And I'm saying that that already exists, buddy. That mm -hmm. exists in lots of different ways. This is one way. Good atheist is one way to do this. Facebook is another way. Twitter is another way. Communication methods are evolving rapidly. We want to communicate more. We want to form communities. And they're not going to be formed under fucking tribal, tribalistic banners identifying things like country. But that's going to take a long time. Well, it sounds like the undertone of this question is, what should I do? What should I do? So what, what, what communities for atheism do you, rec you recommend right now? Uh, this I, one. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I would say. Well, become it, a freebie member. Become a freebie member on Join the, the community. The community is it's building. It's not quite built. I would I would say that once the community element is built, I will say good atheist. I hope to that uh, question. I say though that uh, joining um, atheist nexus is a good start. You can just it's like an easy. Um, it, 
introduction, if you want, to sort of like atheist communities because it's a very, pretty safe environment, lots of friendly people. It never really feels necessarily personal uh, yeah. per se, uh, but it's a good first attempt. Get your feet wet. I think that for the most part, though, people will find groups that they just sort of jive with for whatever reason. I hope in the future what we have uh, are kind of groups that have common interests and that also sort of tend to say like, oh, this is a, uh, a science club, but it's for atheists who are really, really into science or mm -hmm. atheists who are really into something else. Uh, open to all, but we regularly have religious discussions during all of these elements, because they, th those are those are interesting. Those are necessary. They're they're, they're part of the conversation. So maybe maybe that's what's going to develop in the in the future, where we just don't meet to all say like, hey, we don't believe in in <laughs> God either. And you're like, well, does anybody else like to do things? Because after this conversation is over, I would really like to go do something else. <laughs> you know, I the communities I've enjoyed the most are for online. I just like Facebook in general because it's right out there on front. You know, religious, non-religious on your Facebook account. And also, people have started, you know, for a lot, the last while, they put that little A on their profile picture. You know, it's a visual ident. Oh, friend. Yes, yeah, I will yeah, friend yeah. you. That's been nice. So Facebook is good. But then also, personally, I find most the gratifying, the, the real, real life experiences, the conferences, the uh, Society for Inquiry meetings, the science, the pub stuff. Those are cool. I, I think those are the best. So if... You can go on meetup.com or, or check out CFI website and, and try and find one in your area. Because as, as great as the social networking stuff is, it's so nice to be in a room physically full of other non-believers. And, and honestly, in those situations, that's when you end up talking about other stuff. Online, it's really easy to just get upset about atheist topics and talk about whatever's in the news. But when you actually meet these people in person, you tend to talk about, you know, other interests, skiing, whatever. <laughs> atheist skiers. Atheist skiers. There you go. That's the solution. Find a bunch of atheist skiers. Uh, Drew Davy asks, if you had the power of God to bring one person back <laughs> to life, who would it be? He chooses Carl Sagan. Uh, so I have to pick someone. Can you pick someone first? Because I'm still trying to think about mine. Who would you pick if you had the power of God? Bring back anyone. Anyone in the universe that has ever lived. Who would you bring? Can't think of one. This is just going to be a lot of dead air. We should we should have thought about this question a long time ago. I was going to say something like, because um, ev every time I think about this idea, I, I know who I bring back, but the only reason I want to bring them back is for selfish reason. I just wanted to know what this person was like. Who? Leonardo da Vinci, actually. Oh, yeah. I'd let, That's I'd, a good one. I'd like to just sort of like, imagine you had that opportunity. Like, if he really was as smart and talented as I think he was, I would just sort of like, of course I'd have to learn Italian... <laughs> but I have a power of a god, so I assume the whole Italian thing is no problem. You know what, who I would bring back? Who? I bring back Jesus, just to be like, seriously, this is the guy. This is the guy. Has He's no powers. He's freaking black. <laughs> he has no powers. He doesn't look a thing like you guys thought he looked like. He's useless. Oh, and a little bit crazy. <laughs> What's what I bring back? Just, just to like lay the whole situation arrest. That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Or you can just, uh, you know, you bring back Mohammed so that everybody starts flipping out because they don't know what to do now. <laughs> They just don't know what to do. Like, is this a sacrilege that I just did this? <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Of course, this assumes that if we brought somebody back, then those people would actually believe that it was them. Oh, come on. They believe in things that are even more foolish. What, you ca I can't but make them believe? I just resurrected someone believing in them. I swear, if I resurrected Leonardo da Vinci, there would be a Leonardo da Vinci religion that would <laughs> pop up, like, overnight. 
overnight because everybody would freak out. They'd be like, this is it. This finally happened for real. And I would be that horrible person who did that, who enslaved mankind and religion just because it turns out that I have some magical resurrection power. Awful. Part of me thinks that if I could resurrect anybody, though, I would resurrect nobody because then it would be like, oh, magic exists. <laughs> Seriously, if I... Uh, if, screwed. No, but don't you think that if you brought back Carl Sagan using magic, he would rather die? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he would rather die than you do that. Oh, you know... You so, know or I mean, rather stay dead. <laughs> you should bring back Houdini because Houdini is one of those, like, on-the-fence guys. He was... He really believed that there should be magic, but he kept proving that there wasn't. And then if you could prove to him that there was magic, he'd be like, oh, yes. And you'd be like, but there's still no God. Damn it. <laughs> I just did that. It, that was just me. Yeah. I just did that. Turns but. out there's one kind of magic, and it's necromancy. That's actually real. <laughs> Who knew? Who fucking knew? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Daryl asks, why is it that if you're lucky enough to find an atheist then they have uh, some kind of bullshit pseudoscientific belief like astrology or the power of positive thinking. What? Am I the only person on the planet who believes in reality? Um, well, this goes is to this show... Is a problem? Well, this goes to show, and I think this is important and everybody understands, that just because you don't believe doesn't mean that you're the brightest bulb mm. in, the, in the shelf. And it also sort of sh shows that people can kind of go through different phases, right? The first, the big belief in God... Uh, a person could be skeptical about that, and I would not fault them. <laughs> you need a lot of mental gymnastics to make that shit work. But assuming that that hasn't been ingrained, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have critical thinking skills. I mean, how many of us really have great critical thinking skills? If you say, I do, well, I would ask you, prove it. You know, how, how exactly, how do you measure good critical thinking skills? Are you too critical and, and accept new, uh, no new information? Are you not critical enough, which is what people tend to be, and sort of accept things because you're unable to discern between good and bad evidence? That's just a common example. This is the most common example where um, I would say as soon as a person tells you that they had a personal experience about something and this is proof of it, they have poor critical thinking skills. This is a, poor, this is a display of a poor one. But are you going to go over to them and say, hey, you, you have poor critical thinking skills. <laughs> no, we don't do this so no one knows. Everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, I'm a very skeptical person. One time I almost got sold a lemon, and I didn't get sold that lemon car, so therefore I'm a really good uh, thinker and a very skeptical. And we're like, wow, you have one story. Congratulations. Yeah. I do understand the the giant disappointment, though, because you ran into somebody and they, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not a believer. Don't believe in ghosts. Don't believe in this. Don't believe in that. Although last night I did have a dream that became a premonition that my aunt was going to get into a car accident, and you're just like, oh. I'm so disappointed. It was going so well. Ah. Well, we had we had such a person when I went to the uh, skeptics in the pub n one night, and there was this woman. And at first, I didn't understand why every fr everybody from the group was trying to avoid talking to her, because I was at, like sort of the other end of the table, and I was trying my best to 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 initiate conversation with people. And meanwhile, she sounded okay at the beginning, and sort of like okay, she's a non-believer, and then just spewing just this energy shit. You know, as soon as somebody starts breaking into that, we're all energy, and everybody starts rolling their eyes, and you're just like, oh, you're, you're one of those. I would say that at the very least, though, here's the deal. If, if a person's an atheist and they believe in all this other spiritual mumbo-jumbo, you at least have one kind of, uh, one trick up your sleeve, right? Because you can ask them, well, if you believe in that, why don't you believe in God? Because that's equally Ooh. ludicrous. <laughs> So you just jab them with that one. Or maybe you'll send them back to being God believers. But we don't need them. If you can't fucking figure out your shit, if you're that dumb to believe in uh, you know, astrology and t 
tarot or all these other things. We don't want you. We don't want you in the club. I, d- I do have a small piece of advice, though. So if, if this is this kind of sounds like there's a bit of an underlying dating thing in his question. Maybe I'm just reading into it. I don't know. Oh, I like he. Yeah. So here's something. Here's a little story. I was seeing somebody for a little while who was non-believer but had a couple of little quirk things. Right. One was astrology and one was this, this like, power positive thing. So exactly the situation. Oh, man. It was really frustrating. And what I did was uh, one day we were out for dinner and, and we were out with my skeptical friends and he was started, you know, like, oh, well, I knew, you know, Chris and I got really along because she's a tourist and I'm a whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't remember because it's stupid. And uh, and I took him aside and I just said, you know what, uh, I respect you and you can believe whatever you want. But when you say that, it embarrasses me. And I'd rather you don't say it around one round public. I know, I know. <laughs> but three weeks later, three weeks later, he was like, I was so wrong. I looked it up and it's totally not true. And I was like, it was something about yeah. the way I brought it up. You brought shame. You because brought shame. you know what it is? You were right. I remember we were talking a while ago. I don't know if it was on the show or if it was just, you know, we, we got drunk or something. But we were talking about how believers, about that kind of stuff, a lot of them, if they're skeptical about other things, have a little voice inside them that says, this is stupid. This is fucking stupid. And somebody you care about saying, please don't say that when we're out in public together. It embarrasses me. Is one of those puts your brain into hyperdrive things where you're like, this is embarrassing. I don't sound charming when I say this. I sound like a freaking asshole. <laughs> Maybe I don't believe in this anymore. So Carissa recommends that you be a bitch. No, I just recommend that you be freaking honest. Because you know what? When they say it and you're all together, it does embarrass you. And there's no reason why you need to grin and bear it and actually damage your relationship. I think it's better to go up to that person and say, look, I'm trying to be honest to save us both a little bit of face. But when you say that, I'm embarrassed. Are you still with this person? No. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out. Okay, Robert mm. Donnelly asks, check it. What are your opinions on stupid Western governments bringing in laws or precedents based on religion that allow Islamic nations to justify their horrible laws. He has an example here that I'm going to read because it's, it's, you have to, we didn't, we, I didn't know this until I read it and it sounds ho- horrible. <laughs> example, in Ireland, an outdated constitution says that blasphemy is an offense, but there was never really a law in place. So just last year, a justice minister brought in a modern day blasphemy law instead of holding a referendum to get rid of that bit. The now uh, uh, exited government claims that they've worded it so that nobody could actually be charged with it, but there's a huge negative side. Within the European Union, if any two countries have matching laws, you can be extradited. So if you publish something blasphemous in Ireland that somehow made it to Turkey, you could be charged and extradited to face charges there. So his, his opinion is like, what do you think of these? And I'm like, how can you let these so stay in your... Bad. Yeah, how can this be a law? Do something about that. I mean, I'm, I I wrote about this before, but I can't do nothing. This is Ireland. Who am I? No one. I am no one in your you country. You know what we should do? We should make okay. signs and ship them. Well, right, we can do oh, that. Oh, well, wow. It's, it's fucking unbelievable. I mean, the fact that they would make a blasphemy law. Talk about what a bunch of pussies. Like, if I hear one more uh, religious person crying in their fucking soup saying, oh my goodness, whenever you say that what I believe is ridiculous, you are, uh, you're destroying and hurting my faith and you're being intolerant. I'm just like, you know what, I, it's a belief. It is an idea. And if I challenge that idea, then you don't have, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you don't have the right to not be offended. Pardon me. 
I'm not going to do anything other than offend you. I will assure you that is the maximum that I'm going to do. I will offend you. And that's all I'm going to do. And I, I recognize the fact that you don't want to be offended. Of course not. You have a stupid belief. Who wants to, be, who wants to face that fact? That's a fucking scary fact. You're like, I have believed something ridiculous my whole life, and I think that my entire personality is based on said ludicrous belief. Uh, I can assure you it is not. People who have abandoned those are pretty much the same people, except for with less mental baggage on their fucking side. So... Here's, here's what I say about blasphemy laws. Is they, they, they demonstrate for me a kind of fear, a secret fear on the part of religions who see one thing that is consistent about all religions is that they fade, they disappear, they, 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 they go. That is, the, that is the history of all religion. You don't believe the, the same religion that your Neanderthal fucking cousins did, okay? You don't. You believe in something that's different, but it's all essentially just nonsense. You think their nonsense was any less stupid? I actually wish I knew what their nonsense was, because it would probably be a good story, and maybe I could make a movie out of it and make some money. Because <laughs> that's all I think about, money! All right, next up, Rebo asks, Jacob, more Bible stories. That was quite an enjoyable podcast. I think he's referring to the, the last podcast. bonus show, the one for Jacob Day. Uh, I do recommend you listen to that one. It is available if you just sign up for the freebie membership. So you get to listen to that one. Essentially, I talk about the story of Jacob in the Bible and uh, in my characteristically uh, wacky way. So thanks for you saying that it was a good show. He asks, what is your favorite beer? And he says, please name one. Don't just say cheap beer. You know, it's not like I like cheap beer. <laughs> I hate cheap beer. I just drink it. The option between drinking water and drinking cheap beer, I'll drink cheap beer. Now, if you ask me what is my favorite beer, that is the Corona, sir. That is the the 7 million degree, uh, no, wait, not that Corona. No, the, the, the beer kind. Yeah. Lamest the, beer uh, joke in the... I was trying to be all sciencey. Sorry. Yeah, science -y. Oh, that guy. <laughs> no, I give it a five out of a hundred. Blam. Okay, fine. Whatever. I don't need you. Okay, the uh, the English atheist. You asks, don't. I'll just go leave it. <laughs> shut up. The English atheist says, "Hey, Jacob." Um. Okay. Uh, he was he's, he sent me a story about this UK couple that got um that essentially denied the right to adopt. Because they would have told the child that homosexuality is not okay. So they just don't have the right to adopt because the judge found that the welfare of the child was more important than their belief. And uh, a lot of people, were, I guess, who are, who are believers are outraged at this. And you're like, how dare you? They believe in that. I may believe that I'm Napoleon. But that belief does not supersede the well-being of someone else. And if you don't think that their well-being is compromised, then I think you're profoundly ignorant of the kind of problems that we still have because of the systemic and endemic nature of homophobia here and around the world. Okay? That's what you don't get. And you, if you don't understand that, if you're saying, like, oh, they're being discriminated against, uh, discriminating against the discriminators is not the same evil. We don't like that we're thrown in that sort of position, but they're incompatible ideas. Okay, wait. Here's another important piece of information. Is this a governmental organization or is this a private organization? This is the government. This is the government and this is where? The government. This is the UK. This is the UK government. This is their Supreme Court saying that this couple was not allowed to adopt because of their homophobia. Hmm. I know, it's very controversial. 
I don't know how I feel about that, actually. I think, you know, part of me is like, yay, stupid people. And then another part of me is like, ooh, that does seem a little... Does the, does the government really have a right to say what the appropriate way to raise your child is? Well, let's say let's say that there's a certain percentage, about five to seven percent, that the child that they adopt is gay. Now, we mm. we we do recognize the fact that among gay teens whose families are uh, homophobic, there's a high suicide rate. Uh, this is a problem. To say that this problem does not exist is to deny it. Now, All right, that's fair. That's I, fair. I, I think I'm convinced. That, I, yeah, there you go. Okay, so. I would say, look, it, the, the, the crazy tragedy of the whole thing is that the couple is black. The couple <laughs> is black. I wish they would just really understand that this is that final frontier for us about being able to uh, understand this idea that there are, there are certain kinds of prejudices that we just don't want in society. That is one of them. That is, that is what society has decided. It's uh, more of that democratic tyranny that we were talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, we have to be careful with that blunt instrument. But... Let me tell you one thing, all right? The one difference in that entire situation is that this couple chose to believe something. This is not, they were not born with Christianity in their blood. This is an idea, okay? And this is what separates it from race and sexual preference, is that these are not choices. Just the way that they didn't have a choice to choose to be born darker skinned, uh, a child that they would might adopt doesn't choose to have a same-sex same sex attraction. If we don't recognize that is a kind of so, so, you know, so, societal evil, like if we decided that these racist parents are just not candidates for adoption, we'd be like, we kind of understand that. Adoption is a bit of a different thing. You know, it's, it's, it, it is government-mandated. We're not always necessarily comfortable with that, but you got a better fucking idea. Mm-hmm. We have to be pragmatic. Convinced. And, uh, yeah, it sucks. Okay, Raiden asks... Uh, hi, whoever runs the show these days. What? I run the show. <laughs> I was just wondering, what do you think, uh, guys think about the position that Richard Dawkins holds on children being indoctrinated or brainwashed by their parents by bringing them up in religion? Uh, he is arguing that, why does he advocate so... Okay, wait, this is not a properly an, uh, answered question. His question is something like, what do you think about Richard Dawkins' belief that Children being raised in, uh, by religious folks are being indoctrinated and abused. This is what he's asking. What do you think about that label of child abuse? And I would say that it really kind of depends, because it always depends, doesn't it? It's never just sort of like yes and no. Uh, I'll give you a classic example. Let's pretend I raise you uh, up in my religion, and my religion is like the fucking uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dress-Up, or for you guys, it's Mr. Rogers' version of like Christianity. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Everyone's friendly. Jesus is a super fucking nice guy. Nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> okay, and I could just basically say, let's let's forego hell. It doesn't need to be discussed. Just be a good person. Blah 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 blah. You'll see grandpa and grandma when you die in heavenly plane number five or whatever the fuck denomination or special heavenly rules you've invented. So to that person, I would say, like, no, they're not doing. Uh, I would not call that child abuse. I would say you're 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 teaching your kids to be kind of d- to believe in a dumb thing. But plenty of people believe in these dumb things and still do amazing things. So that's not a huge issue. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have, let's say, denying um, healthcare, um, telling them that they're born with original sin and are very very bad. Yeah, that they're bad they're people. Burned to death in a hellfire. Yeah. 
and oppressing women, women are oh, lesser. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are quite abusive. There's just there are many ranges. The problem that we have is essentially um, the way that is perceived, right? The way that people perceive this is saying this is an important value that I want to transmit. I want to have a complete right to be able to transmit that. And again, we're we're faced with that weird sort of a quandary of saying, well, we don't want government to sit, come in and say you can't teach your kids religion. That's clearly what we don't want. I th I think what we do want though is we we want people to understand that there is a uh, let's say a special kind of um, uh, of, of understanding, right? If we get, if we got to the point where we're saying, well, you can teach them that, but they will have to be taught all the other ones at the same time too. You just don't get to learn only about yours. Everybody gets to learn about all the other ones. I think that's how you erode faith. I do kind honestly. of feel like that's even, but in in a way though, isn't that worse? I mean, I used to think that, I used to totally agree with that idea, like, let's just teach them about all the original religions, so they seem equally ridiculous. But the problem is, is that some of the religions preach things that are very hurtful and hateful and damaging to children. So is exposing them to more potential damage a better idea, really? Well, why don't I ask the slightly libertarian girl here <laughs> to tell me what am slightly. I supposed to do, what am I supposed to do about uh, people teaching... Uh, nonsense and abusive nonsense. Well, what are we supposed to do? How about do that? we react? How do we react when parents of a child allow them to eat to the point of morbid obesity? We as a society publicly shame that person, and I think that as non-theists we can easily take that perspective. The reality is that it's not okay to legislate against forms of parenting that are you know, not really extreme because it's just too much of the government coming right. into your homes. And the problem with the law is that once you create a rule like that, it's really easy to manipulate it and cause a lot more harm than it actually causes positive situations. And you need enforcement, and that's bad. It's Anytime bad. you need enforcement, it's and, and it's subject bad. to interpretation. Oh, yeah. I think we'd all be way better off if we just, you know what, when we see a morally obese child, we shame those parents. When we see children that are out of control, we, we shame those parents in public. I think it's just as reasonable when we see children that are... are suffering abuse from being growing up in a religious household or saying things that are intolerant, we shame those parents as well. I think that it's society's job. And the thing is, we're social creatures. If you publicly shame somebody, they react. They really strongly react. That's why our society is getting so docile and we're getting to this nice, this more comfy point and violence is going down and down and down and down and down because as a society, we're tolerating less and less. You just need to be more intolerant of it. Okay, so here's, here's basically uh, your solution your solution is that we shall now decree that any sort of improper action shall be punished by public flogging or tomatoing <laughs> no. with tomatoes. No, no, no. For I embarrassment. No, no, no. I think that you're right. I tomatoes. think that's what Jacob said. Tomatoes. When, when I used to teach and uh, there was a problem with the children and we had to bring in the parents to have a discussion, when it got to that point, trust me, just me sitting there in a little room with them and saying, little Jimmy did something bad today, that... Mom, that dad looks way more shame than little Jimmy ever did. And I think that it's reasonable to start asking that of maybe not necessarily our teachers, but if you're in a private organization, as a teacher, you, you have the right, as long as it's okay with your organization, to say, you know what, little Jimmy was a little bit discriminatory towards women, and we feel that it has to do with your religion, and it's, it's a huge concern. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. It's affecting his learning, it's affecting his ability to get along with other students, and it's affecting our learning environment, and we'd like you to stop preaching bullshit to your children. 
because they or, or choose another school to go to. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I like how much of a bitch you are. <sighs> <laughs> I say that. That was such a double-edged compliment. I say that, <laughs> I say that with the greatest care and. That's like saying you're and attractive love. in a way that only I will ever appreciate. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, hello. This is coming from me. <laughs> I definitely think that we should be bitchier. And then uh, there, there are those that would accuse me or, or think that I would say that bitching is the same thing as hate speech. I'm like, no, it is exactly what you're talking about, shaming people into, into getting them to reveal the silliness and ridiculousness of their beliefs because they are ridiculous. They really are, they are ludicrous. They are easily thrown aside. And, and there's the magic word that always tries to save them. I have faith. Ah, that means you have nothing. Well, and think about when, when intolerance... Okay, think about when big shifts in society happen, when actual change takes, takes a foothold. It's when everyday people finally become truly disgusted with things. We as a society, at least this society that I am present in, is not is disgusted by racism. It's disgusted in a lot of ways by homosexuality. Not as much as they should be, but they are. And that... Wait, wait, you, they're disgusted by homophobia. Oh, by homophobia. Oh! Ooh. Wow. <laughs> That's a bad sound bite. Um, see, I'm on a tangent. I, people need to get... Thank you. <laughs> disgusted by homophobia. Right. They should be more disgusted by homophobia. Like, it's... But that's going to grow, right? As we as we grow as a society, we're going to find ridiculous things more and more intolerant. And that's when change takes a foothold. When government legislating against something doesn't actually change it. What changes it is when we all look at those people and say, you're ridiculous. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong at all. In fact, it's it's a something that you're responsible for, for increasing your quality of life. I, I think that every single person can choose who to surround themselves with. And if you own your business and you don't, you're like, look, employees, I don't want any fucking reading of the, of the bullshit in my office. I don't want to hear this. Or, hey, friends, if you guys want to read my fucking horoscope, I will punch you in the face. Well, maybe the punch <laughs> in the face, probably. Well, yeah, because that's bad, because then it's actually, like, going into their sphere of influence. But if you read it, I'm embarrassed. That's fine. But I, I think it's it's okay for us to ask for things that we want. We, we As as non-believers who, who find that stuff absolutely ridiculous, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, you know what? When when you talk about thinking that people didn't really land on the moon, I'd rather you didn't talk about that to me because it it, it makes me respect you less. And, and I like you, and I don't want to respect you less, so please don't bring it up because it's just frustrating. I just have to pretend that I'm not listening, and it's, it's not good for either of us. You're not getting what you want, and neither am I. Now I have to wonder if the religious people are going to start using that argument. <laughs> you embarrassed me with your atheism. What? Why? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> Good point. Maybe yeah, I have well, just opened a bug. I'm sorry about the homosexuality comment. I feel really bad. So I, in, in conclusion, Carissa the says the problem is that people don't think that homosexuality is disgusting enough. I think that quote is going to come back and haunt you in some way. I don't know how, but uh, someone's going to use it to destroy you. Um, okay. Damn it. Drew Davy asks, both Joey and Chandler have new TV shows, and I don't hate either show. <laughs> and I don't hate either of their characters. Does this mean that the end of the world is coming? <laughs> yes, it will end uh, the 2012 when both of these shows apparently merge into one super show, the Chandler and Joey show, and that will be the coming of the apocalypse. Yeah, it, it, and it'll be the greatest show ever. Yeah, it'll ever. be like Will and Grace all over again. Will and Grace. <laughs> That wasn't the best show ever, though. I know. I was trying to be funny. That show was horrible. 
N- n- you are you are homophobe, huh? Did you hate it because the the guy was gay? Is that why you hated him? God, Carissa, keep your homophobia to yourself. <laughs> Just digging myself a hole. Okay, Andy <laughs> Scott asks, when you're debating a religious person, how important is it to know if you're both making your arguments from the same Bible version? Oh, so important. So important. Uh, you have no idea because every time you make that little mistake where they're like, that's not the exact quote, you don't know the Bible, you don't know my Bible, it, you will okay. run into so This is my recommendation. Problems. If somebody is debating this with you, start by going, what Bible do you go by and, and or what version of deity? What, what do you believe God actually does? Because that's the problem. Religious people, if you don't get them to nail that down at the beginning, define God for me so that I can actually disprove it, they will keep moving it. They'll make him more and more weird and, 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 and undefinable to make it harder and harder for you to argue against. You need to lock that down at the beginning of that conversation. How do you define God? What Bible do you follow? And also just asking that, in a way, kicks a little shit out of their argument because they're like, oh, yeah, there are multiple Bibles, and also people define God differently. Like, it's starting the conversation from a really interesting vantage point, and it locks them down so you're like, that's not what you said. God was defined as, stop changing what you think. I just love asking <laughs> someone and saying, well, which Bible version do you like? And they'll say, let's say the new, uh, uh, the, the, the King James version, so, which is the, the one, the, the, the kind of the, probably the most popular one, but there's lots of other ones. There's the, what is I the like one the of the Jehovah Witnesses one. one? Yeah, the Gideon Bible. Yeah. Um, anyways, there's I a whole... the most access to it. I always ask sort of like, okay, well, what year was it written? If you figure out what each year the specific types of Bibles were written, you can always ask the interesting question of saying, well, what did you do or believe in before this year? <laughs> What did your people believe in before then? Was there a less accurate version of the Bible? Are are they sinners now because they read the wrong version and they didn't exactly have the version that you have? So yeah, those would be my some of my jackassy questions. And you're Love it. yeah, and 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 you can also ask saying like, oh, were the early Christians? Um, because they were fundamental, they believed in fundamentally different things than you did. Were they wrong, and are they going to hell? <laughs> oh, well, you can no, use some history. They didn't know yeah. better, use use some history. If you try to debate the Bible, you're wasting your time. By the way, because why debate something that they already believe is inherently true? There's no way you can debate a person uh, that believes that this is a literal. This literal fantasy is. The word of God. Like, how are you supposed to fucking debate that? Okay, here's, a, here's an interesting story from Ryan. We'll read it. It's long, but we'll read it because we're almost at the end of the show. It says, uh, the good atheist. That's me. My wife and I are both atheists that come from parents who are pretty religious. My wife's more than, my, than mine. Lately, my wife has become more open with, her, uh, with letting her parents know about her atheism, but she is both heavily influenced by them and she doesn't want to cause any harm to the relationship. However, as they realize more and more her true feelings, they keep sending her pamphlets and prayer will cure everything books and consistently bringing up religion in passing, using almost, uh, almost using it as a small dagger. They also seem to isolate me as an outsider more and more. I realize that I don't want my wife to have a bad relationship with her parents, and for the most part, I would have to say religion is not an issue. Unfortunately, though, I can foresee that when we have children, there may be a huge war over their souls, especially given the personal ideas of how to raise children, which is over, uh, which is over uh, sheltering. Overall, do you have any advice on this issue? Is there a way to bringing up and setting up the ground rules now or just waiting until it becomes more of an issue? This is a really good and important question. Carissa, yes, you had your hand out. Okay, so this is my solution. 
Um, I'm gonna. This is kill them all. <laughs> kill them <laughs> and tell them they're stupid. No, we'll still tell them they're stupid and then kill yeah, them. Well, Sorry, that's uh, better. That's no, better order. My, uh, I had a sort of a similar experience with my mother. My mother believes in a lot of crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy things, stuff. and uh, but also she's very, she's very demanding, and we had a weird relationship. And I think there's always that transition where you know you go from being a child, and it takes a really long time for your parents to really understand that you're now an adult. And what happened was there was a death in our family, and I was doing a lot of the preparations, and, and tensions were raising, were very high, and my mother was really getting on my nerves and, and saying things and, and sort of pressuring me into doing things in terms of religious things that I was really uncomfortable with. And the thing you have to remember is that your parents do love you. I mean, the reason that she's getting this information is because they're coming from a place of affection and love. And, and they don't, they, they worry about her. They feel like, you know, her soul's at risk, all these things. But I think it's important to say, if you really love me, then you will trust in my decisions that I make for myself. And I, I was able to have a planned conversation with my mother where I just said, I really need for you to appreciate the decisions I make are well thought out and that you, that they are as respectable as the decisions you've made for yourself in your life. And I promise to respect the decisions you've made when we're interacting, but you need to do the same for me. And you need to do that right now. It's not going to be good for the first couple of weeks. My mom stormed out of the room. She was very upset. But we have a much stronger relationship now. And I think... Uh, now that you're uh, not living anywhere <laughs> near her. <laughs> now that I'm in another country. No, I'm serious, though. I have a much deeper respect for my mom, right. even though I make fun of her a lot. But I think that if I hadn't have had that conversation, there would have been a big rift. Because the things that were going on, and it sounds like the things that are going in in your situation are, are going to get increasingly worse as they don't get a response. They're going to feel more and more like like they're not getting through and it's going to make them uncomfortable. And these kind of things, if you just leave it alone until there's little babies in the picture and the stakes are much higher, that's, that's insane. You need to go and talk to your wife and come up with a plan and have a serious conversation and not through letters because tone can be misconstrued. You need to sit in a room and say, we love you, we know that you love us, but what's going on right now is not good for anyone involved. You're making us feel uncomfortable and you're feeling like, you know, we're separating you. We're not rejecting religion because we don't love you. We're rejecting religion because we think it's stupid and ridiculous. You know, of course, you're, you're going to want to rewrite this, not the Carissa way, because no. I tend to offend yeah, a lot of people. very offensive. But I, I do think that you need to have a serious, open, honest conversation right now and just remember that you love them and they love you and, and as long as you're both coming from that perspective, then you can actually come to a solution. I have another solution. Mine is the wackier version of the solution, as is uh, sometimes the case. But it's not my solution. It's actually a friend of mine. So what he tried to do was his parents-in-law, very religious, and they were always trying to get him to read religious literature. And he just loves reading. He just has, like, a huge book collection, just loves it. Um, and he tried to make a deal with them, saying, I'll read one of your books if you read one of mine. So if they are people that like reading, maybe this is, this is one of those clever things. You can suggest a book. You say, like, we'll, read, we'll both read this book, then we'll have a conversation about it. Because if you're going to say, if you're going to have a sit-down conversation with me about theology, if you really want to convince me of your theology, then you better make sure that you know what it is and recommend something that you're going to read as well, that I'm, we're going to read as well, and we're going to debate it. We're going to have an adult conversation about it, but it's going to be on my terms. That's how I sort of swing it, because I know Here's how that ends. Here's my concern about that. <laughs> I know how that ends. Here's my concern about that, mm -hmm. though, is that there is something in that that is combative, and it's going to leave both parties entering very defensively. And it sounds like 
his biggest concern is that they have a good relationship. He wants to maintain this good relationship. And I think it's more important oh in yeah, this situation. Absolutely, because my solution never worked. <laughs> this is the important thing. But it doesn't mean that it can't work. I really believe that even a bad idea should be tried several times until it does work. Okay, so yeah. Jacob's guinea pigs out there. Uh, it's not about Let your Let me happiness. know how it goes. It's not about <laughs> your happiness. It's not about success. It's yeah, about well, Jacob testing his crazy maniacal plans. Well, I didn't want to be negative and say that the truth is Carissa's idea will probably fail. Not because it's not a brilliant it idea, fail. but it will fail. Um, they're going to make it an issue, and you're going to secretly wish that they die early. <laughs> That's what you're going to do, and you're going to feel like a terrible person if something awful happens like that where they do. But at the very least, what you've done with that conversation is you set very clear boundaries. So at least you're not the bad guy. No, so that maybe when the children show up, you know, they, your, your thoughts have been recognized. Because what you're doing right now, allowing them to send you this literature and just standing by, is you're just saying, yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep doing this. It's okay for you to meddle. What you're doing is in no way offensive. And you know what? It is offensive. It's rude. It's uncool. And, and what's going to happen? When, on the table. What's going to happen when you fucking leave the kids with grandpa and, and, and grandma, and all of a sudden they break out the old baboo and start fucking scaring the bejesus out of them? You're going to have this conversation. It's not going to end. It's going to be a nightmare. Good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the last question, Heretics Anonymous asks: At what point do you give up trying to discuss slash debate religion with someone? I have two dear Catholic family members who will blatantly admit they have no rational ground for their beliefs, yet get offended by even the slightest questioning of their faith. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you know? How do you, like, at what point do you give up? You know what, here's the point that I normally, here, here's what I do. I don't, I'm not the one who decides when I'm going to give up. I am tireless. I will have conversations with people who professionally try to convert, and they will tire and they will leave. <laughs> <laughs> I never get bored of that shit. I could have a conversation about religion for three days straight until I'll probably pass out or start having hallucinations or something like that. But I am, yeah, I'm a little tireless when it comes to that. I think that at one point, like, the, the you've, I think you've already identified where is the point where you stop debating with them is when they said that they have no rational ground for their belief. You won! <laughs> they, they just didn't re realize that you won. They didn't want to recognize the fact that you won. If a person believes in what they believe and it's irrational, and I don't mean as, as in sort of like it's not logical. I mean like it, it doesn't have any rational basis in any in anything. It's just made believe. It's like I believe in an invisible dragon that's living in my garage. That is irrational. And if I choose to just say, like, well, I continue to believe that because that belief gives me a lot of comfort. And uh, you can't deny that fact. I'm like, of course I can't deny the fact that, it give, that a stupid idea gives you comfort. Congratulations. You've proven nothing. <laughs> and you've been proud of the fact that you've proven nothing. So how further can the dis discussion go? There. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it's very nice to believe that you're Elvis, to genuinely believe that you are the reincarnation of Elvis. But we still hospitalize those people because they're a danger to themselves and others. I but mean, they're not always a danger, you know. <laughs> I'm back, baby. I really believe that I'm the king. You know what I'm saying? I like you. Always have. Always will. I promise to never set you up for a bad impression ever again. Hey, what's that up, baby? <laughs> it's not that bad. Come on, baby. It's not too bad. You know it's not too bad. It's better. It's better. You know what it is? It's way better than Val Kilmer's imitation. Yeah. What? Yeah, his imitation of Elvis was not good. Oh. 
I think it was better than the crab. I wish you, you guys could see his hands. It yeah. looks like he's having a seizure. The guys he does it, he's like twitching. Fucking bullshit. I was elegant, masterful. She just wants to uh, ruin my that reputation. That was elegant? Elegant. That was elegant and masterful. Yep. And uh, no one will ever know if it was if it was or wasn't. They, and they won't believe you. You're a you're a little liar. You're a little liar because you know what? Throughout this I'm whole, throughout this whole, yeah, liar. you're a little gating liar <laughs> who gives conflicting fucking advice. Because one, th- one, one question you were like, you need to be intolerant of that, and the next question is like, well, with your family, you need to sort of like have a nice sit down conversation and be nice to them. They're so still you being know intolerant. What? They're still being intolerant yeah. of the way they're being treated. That's, I'm just it's saying, the same advice. Schizophrenic. The difference is like in one situation you're like, you don't really respect this person, just tell them to fuck off. And in the other situation, it's like, oh, it sounds like you want to have a good relationship with your parents, tell them to fuck off in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'll give you consistency. <laughs> I'll give you that. But otherwise, crazy. Otherwise, what? crazy. Yeah, homophobic. Homophobic. <laughs> okay, before we leave, um, uh, I just want to uh, thank everybody who's a contributing member, uh, even people who are free members. I'm currently working on uh, fixing all the RSS issues. No, they're, um, well, they're fixed. Well, they're fixed. It's just that I have to put up a video that I'm going to work on. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, you will be able to go to the website Read the instructions on, on, on what you have to do to include the feed for both podcasts when you're a member, both of them, the bonus member and the regular member. You'll only need one feed from now on, yeah. and you can go on iTunes, and you will be able to uh, subscribe to it really easily. So it's finally figured out. It's, you'll have to hack the Gibson a little bit. No, no, no. It's, there's going to be a video on the membership page that walks you through step by yeah, step. Yeah. But you're still the, hacking the Gibson. No, the issue that we were having <laughs> is that the, the feed that is generated by the plugin that you're currently using is the feed for the, the all text. All the content. Yeah, yeah, all the content on the site, and iTunes doesn't like that. So what we had to do is we just had to, there's just a little thing that you have to do to identify that it's just the audio feed so that iTunes will recognize it. Super, super simple. There'll be a video on the membership page. It, you know, I think the video is four minutes long, and that's because we had to explain it. It'll take you two seconds, super fast. Click, click, click. Click, click, click. And then, click, click. And then I'm not going to receive any more emails saying, like, Jacob, how can I do that? And me having to reply, we're working on a solution. And by we're, I mean no one. And <laughs> solution, I mean I want to just uh, crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> hey, a solution has been worked on. A solution has been worked on. You can Everybody can thank Carissa again for her amazing work. I figured it out. To <laughs> essentially do things that I can't do. You know, I'm an idiot. I can't understand this whole PHP nonsense. Well, it's nice because I'm working on the other site, my site, and it's built on the WordPress platform as well. So every time you're like, I can't figure this out, it's a problem I had about a week ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> I get to look like a genius because I already spent eight hours crying about this. <laughs> well, the everybody gets to benefit from them. And finally, we will have a consolidated feed for everybody. So that's the good news, guys. And if you think that it's that super great news, then uh, think about becoming a patron. Yeah, sign up. And join now, and you'll have the new feed, and then you can just have instant access to all our shows, and it's that it's really easy. So that's the cool news, folks. That's the cool news. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for all your effort <laughs> and stuff. You're you're not supposed to be thanking me. You're the one who did most of the work. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch everybody for uh, next week's show. My name is Jacob Forte, and I'm Chris Henderson. Sorry about the homosexual stuff. <laughs> have a good atheist day, everybody. Reading these, I don't know why. Yeah, you're not going to be. Well, it's just. It's. Good I to hate mailbag. <laughs>
All right, I'm just going to read him. Uh, can, you, can you handle this? <laughs> can you handle this? Oh, well, Ryan, to do this show. They don't like when I'm on all the time. Yeah, I realize this, but it's really hard to get a hold of Ryan right now. You should tell Ryan that he's, you know, using using a second-rate host like me is seriously damaging your product. <laughs> That's my Easter egg right there. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, you're a fuckface. Okay, before I start, keep torturing you bef- and, and you abandon me. I'm just going to get the show started so you have no choice okay. but to follow along. Are you ready? 